and welcome into RinkWise. I'm your host, Evan Marinovsky, alongside with Patrick Donnelly. Pat, what's up? You know what? Not a lot. After a big weekend of hockey. Yeah, you see enough hockey this weekend? Getting get to work in a monsoon this morning. <laughs> Terrible. It's brutal out there, man. Oh, I know. It's Monday morning. It's as we record this, so you're hearing this at some point this week. Just rain. It's just the most Monday morning start ever. Trash it is. everywhere on the streets. It is. Wind blowing your car around. It's if like you have a little car like me. It's like the apocalypse. I mean it, yeah. it it feels like it. And after a long weekend of hockey, I mean, how many games do you think you watched this weekend? Oh boy. At least ten or twelve. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, f- five alone, five or like five and a half alone on Saturday, mm-hmm. and then two on Sunday. So that gets me to seven and a half, and then I think I saw about two and a half on Friday. So yeah, about ten. Yeah, that's that's a record for you because you just started. Yep. So like it's, yep. but you're gonna beat it at some point. That's gonna oh, be yeah. beat. Um, I said this to you last uh, on on Sunday night. It's gonna happen at some point. Um, I'm with you. Same. I was on the boys' side. I went to three, so I went to Floodmar. I was at the most. I went to Lawrence Groton on Thursday night for Lawrence Cushing. And then I went to what's the other one? The not the the I'm blanking on it. I they they blend oh, together. The Kevin, Much. The, the Kevin Much. Yes. Kevin Much at St. Sebastian's. I went for uh, a couple games, and they were interesting. But Flood Myers at the most. There's gonna be a lot of content on that this week. Mm-hmm. A lot of content from the from the Harrington for yep. you. Credit to all the rinks that give out food at these events. Yep. I don't know if the Harrington did. I know Floodmar, Nobles gave out food. Yeah, Nobles had the little snack table and baked goods. Awesome. So that was the best thing. They brought in pizza. They brought in sandwiches. They had cookies, candy, stuff. I mean, I've, I've talked to a lot of college coaches there, and everybody's like, if you have food, it helps because then they don't leave. You don't, yeah. Especially the college coaches, you don't want them to leave because then they might not come back. Yep. Uh, the whole point is to showcase. So, uh, And then Seb's had a little array of stuff. They mm-hmm. had food. Um so hopeful. I mean, I'd be cool if everybody did that because it's a big yeah, park. It certainly is. We'll come to your rinks a little more, maybe. Yeah, if you come, if you bring, if you say that there's free pizza or free food anywhere, yep. I will show up. For those of us out here taking our own photos, shout out to Milton <laughs> Academy for having phenomenal lighting and clean glass. Incredible. I, can we take a second here? And I know that Seb's too. Their rink is phenomenal. Seb's is phenomenal. Milton's phenomenal. There's a lot of good lighting. There's a lot of good rinks. Uh, but let me take a second here to give out the opinion that everybody has that doesn't get talked about nearly enough. The Nobles rink sucks. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's not who, good. Who is it you said we did the we did like the best New England last year, or like the superlatives? Someone had the worst rink, and now they're getting a new rink. In a couple yeah, it years. was Northfield Mount yeah. Hermon. I think uh, the coach came up to me at a, an event back in <laughs> uh, the fall and said, "Like, oh, thanks. We're, we're fundraising now for a rink. I hope that this happens for Nobles because Nobles is a beautiful school, yeah. beautiful campus. Why is the rink or like just that? Get new glass. Yeah, or that. I mean, or, that's and new seats because the sight lines are horrible. Sight lines are terrible. And that's yeah. I, I, again, it's Nobles is a good team. Yeah, and I they deserve let, better. It, Both yeah, teams are nasty. They do, and n- girls and boys are nasty, and they're very good. The girls a little bit better than the boys this year, but really good. Great campus. I uh, like Nobles as a school, but why is the glass? Look like someone smeared like it an looks iPad like kid. Or yeah. Like hockey town. <laughs> yes, like Kasabuski. It's like one like a, like you, you have like a three year old who's sneezing all over his hands and using an <laughs> iPad. It's like he smudged his fingers all over the glass. So honestly, it'd be better off with the brick wall at, at hockey town. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if we'll go that far. That might be a low blow. <laughs> or the the chicken wire fence at the Mount St. Charles, or the old yeah. Mount St. Charles rink. That would be perfect. But I would love like 
that you're right. The sight lines aren't good. There's a, it's hard to get a good seat in there. And there's also, yeah, I don't like believe the showers. If you go as, as far back as you can, the stands and you can't see if it goes the other end. Exactly. And I also, I heard that I, I haven't played at nobles, but I heard that you have to walk to the gym on the other side of the street there to, wow. to use the showers for the player. So like, Sheesh. again, I would love for nobles, but credit to them. They had pizza and food. So I guess that's all that matters. What'd you think of the action? I mean, this was your first prep tournament i mean yeah. what did you think because you went to the you went to the tournament with all the good teams or yeah a lot of- there are sometimes last night when i was writing about the nobles championship win that i was looking back at my notes from like the entire weekend i was like man these suck like, <laughs> like what, what, what am i doing taking notes like this but no it was i thought it was great games or they were great games you know uh, some some pretty big surprises i thought um you know st paul's beating williston mm-hmm. was huge especially after williston beat st paul's two weeks ago um, I thought Westminster was pretty impressive, um, a little bit of an under-the-radar team. I thought there were a couple players on Lawrence that impressed me. One is, I think it's Gina Kukanam. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a senior. She was on that top line. She was pretty good. And then Nobles is just, we weren't really sure what to make of them, especially offensively coming into the year after they lost Brooke Manning. But, man, it's just no problem because they're so deep on the back end. Anya Zubkowska is fantastic in net. But, I mean, it's that blue line. You have Olivia Maffeo. You have Sophia Levering, mm-hmm. Jamie Griswold. There's one other player I'm blanking on, but you know it's, it's their four captains, and they're all just it's a murderer's row on the blue line for Nobles. Yeah, I feel like Nobles to me. I mean, again, they beat Lawrence, they beat Westminster, they beat St. Mark's, and they beat they beat St. Paul's in the championship. Like, and again, they allowed minimal goals. Yeah. Like we Zukovska and Ned, and then the D at the back. Like to me, that feels like it. Maybe a winning formula to beat a Williston. It's unfortunate they never got to play Williston. I, I would have loved to have seen that matchup, but they Williston goes down to to St. Paul's and then and, ties on sat on Sunday. Yeah, is is the dynasty is dead? The sky falling? I don't think so. <laughs> no, um, I don't they, think it no, is. They very much still pass the eye test. And then the the fourth defender at Nobles, Ainsley Gray, didn't want to leave her out. They're yeah. four captains, but just they don't give up any great A's. Everything's to the outside. Sophia Levering just does everything well mm-hmm. olivia maffeo will probably get the offensive headlines because she'll lead the rush plenty but sophia levering she's just a smooth skater defends really well but i was really excited to actually see st paul's in that litmus test against nobles mm-hmm. but it's tough because I, I think st paul's is better than they showed on sunday against nobles but i think whether you talk about nobles defense giving absolutely nothing whether it's at their own blue line or in the middle of the ice zubkovska's fantastic in net and then nobles forecheck is just relentless. I just say I saw you write about this. It's, yeah, it I mean, I've, I've seen good. Nobles. Uh, I saw them twice this weekend. I've saw, seen them once before, and like my biggest takeaway is holy cow, that forecheck. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's just nothing for opposing breakouts. Just absolutely nothing. And it was honestly a little bit of a fire drill sometimes for St. Paul's, and it was the same thing for Loomis Chafee when I saw them. It was the same thing for St. Mark's when I saw them play Nobles on Saturday. It's they come at you in waves, and it's just relentless. How are they offensively? I think they're they're really opportunistic, because the forecheck creates so much chaos mm-hmm. where they're they're just going to get chances because of it. It's like and, the Panthers last year. Yeah, and and Maffeo and Levering particularly from the point are really good at getting shots through, and they're low, and there's usually rebounds. And so against whether it was against Loomis Chafee a couple weeks ago, a lot of their goals were off rebounds or mm-hmm. dirty areas. And it was kind of the same thing this weekend. Whether it was St. Marks, they they kind of just overwhelmed and they got there. Yeah, everyone got theirs against them. But against St. Paul's, it was a rebound goal to open the scoring, another goal from right around the crease. And then I think it was, I think Callie Brown's third goal, which put the game away before the empty netter. 
think Callie Brown's goal was off a turnover. Rachel Zhao makes a nice cut, and then it's basically a two-on-one and tight below dots, and mm-hmm. a great pass, and buries it. So, again, it's just... The, the best way to say it is it's a fire drill for opposing breakouts. Yeah, no, and I again, I think that's how they're going to beat the really good teams. And St. Paul's is a really good team. Yeah. I mean, they're up there, yeah, uh, in the you know in the top ten. Uh, Williston, what did you think of them? I know you maybe your bad luck. That's maybe, what it is. You maybe. showed up and they started to lose. Obviously, they're really good. They are. They've been the best uh, team in prep for a couple of years now. What did you notice out of them? Were there anything pros, cons, things you like, things you didn't like? Yeah, so, I mean, against their their loss to St. Paul's was a phenomenal game, first of all. It was a track meet. It was back and forth the entire time. St. Paul's up one nothing early. Wilson ties it. Wilson, I don't think they took the lead. I think if St. Paul's took the lead late and then an empty netter. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that, that top line for Wilson, I thought Monique Lyons had a kind of quietish tournament. I mean, like, they beat Milton 7 nothing on Saturday. Yeah. Everyone got on the score sheet. But Point night. Yeah, yeah. She, I thought she was really effective without getting on the score sheet. And then Nora Curtis down the middle, like so. Their the, their power play setup is a lot of like you have Monique Lyons on her off wing. Nora Curtis is in like the Patrice Bergeron bumper, mm-hmm. and everything kind of feeds to Nora Curtis, and they can nobody can stop the one time from there. <laughs> she had a hat trick. She had a hat trick against Milton. I'm I'm almost positive all three goals were off that slot. Really, yeah. <laughs> she just couldn't stop it. Yeah. So I mean that the the whole thing there is just clicking there, and I, also on the top line is Mia Daly. She's a freshman from Linfield. She had a couple goals against Milton, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. But she compliments Curtis and Lyons really well. I think she's going to be a player we're going to talk a lot about over the coming years. Mm-hmm. Someone who I was expecting to see on that top line and was Violet Carroll, but she was playing D a lot Ooh. in this tournament. So maybe I missed that at the start of the year, but I obviously haven't gotten to Wilson much being out in Western Mass. Mm-hmm. But I thought she was really good on defense, especially they didn't have Caroline Alfiero on Sunday. Violet Carroll can... She's like dynamic skater evades pressure herself will skate the puck up and obviously having played forward has that confidence um and what grade is she i believe she's a senior i can okay. double check that that's I interesting know, last year their top line was carol curtis and lions mm-hmm. and this year obviously not or at least this weekend they had violet carol on d she's a two-way weapon um, yeah but kind of the player is always calling for it at the point always shooting it and but it's it's okay because her shot is pretty heavy and she gets it off quick i always like especially at this level for kind of boys too like who can like shoot the puck i don't want to say like correctly yeah who's really flexing their stick and loading into it and releasing it as they should and she's one of those players that whether it's slap shot or wrist it from the point it's heavy it's quick it's usually getting through so well that's the biggest thing is a quick i mean that's how hockey's sort of changed and and it's interesting you mentioned that aside from those two teams because i know that those were kind of the the marquee of the teams there there were a lot of really good i mean bbnn st paul's plenty of good teams uh, did you notice any other players that caught your eye? I know uh, there was one on St. Paul's that you really liked. Uh, I'll let you give her name. I don't want to give it away. Uh, well, it's Cammie Bell. Fine, I yeah. said it. Um, and it was, hard to guess. Was there anybody else aside from her that, that stood out uh, to you throughout the tournament? So I thought with Lawrence Academy, I hope I'm not butchering this, uh, Nuala Gibbs, she's from uh, Ontario. She's a sophomore. Um, she, I, she was on the top line with um, Kukenham. And so Kukenham is actually a junior, not a senior. But so Gibbs, just blazing speed, smooth skater, and their connection on the top line I thought was kind of the best thing Lawrence had going for them this weekend. And then on St. Paul's, Cammie Bell. So when I talked to Kelly Mackey going into the year, 
every every coach is going to hype their best player. And of stuff. course. And she's won, I think it's the Loomis Medal at St. Paul's for like best female athlete. She's won that two years in a row. And you're like, okay, like I'll keep it, keep my eye out. Thanks. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But and St. Paul's is one of those schools. God bless them that puts recaps. So if if you're not at the game, like I can see who's scoring and exactly. Like, but they have actual so, a, active social media. I was say schools that do that should continue doing that and schools that don't should start doing it yes or just send us your stats yes that would be really <laughs> once helpful. again here shamelessly asking for stats please but cammy bell's like over a goal per game to start the year and you're like oh wow okay and i see her this weekend and total package explosive can really shoot the puck well there are a couple times especially against wilson where i thought she had some one-on-ones off the rush where she could have probably driven to the net more mm-hmm. but even a shot from the perimeter the way she releases it is still dangerous there's going to be a rebound or maybe she might even just roof it but she, the games I saw are like fairly quiet production wise. It's kind of like Monique Lyons, where like clearly being effective, it's just not translating to the score sheet. Especially against Nobles, like they they just accounted for her so well and kept her to the outside the entire time. But she's Cami Bell's the real deal. Really, just drives the play any anytime she's on the ice. Shorthanded power play, five and five, just you know drives the bus for them. I feel like having a player like that just changes your whole outlook as a team and it does for St. Paul's. I know there's other good players on St. Paul's. Like the goaltender had a good night. Yeah, Ali Martinello. Yeah. Really good. She saw it. She saw a ton of pucks. I was going to say against Noble, she was seen a lot. And against Williston too, like in that Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Just, yeah, she was fantastic. Even against BBNN. So I was I was really impressed cuz St. Paul's beat BBNN 3 to 1 on Sunday uh, Saturday night. That was the last game of the night. I'm glad I stayed for it. Because it was three to one, it might not seem that exciting, but it was like BBNN had it was there was a lot of special teams at the end. It was like power play for St. Paul's and BBNN power play. Cami Bell actually took it. I think it was a checking penalty. Oh, yeah, it's physical hockey this weekend. That's like, that's the really best. Physical. That's the best. Like, yeah, it ends up being like four on four. BBNN pulls the goalie, so now it's back to five on four. And St. Paul's was playing a lot of defense down the stretch, and it was they really gritty win for them against BBNN. Even though packed it, was, it like, in, yeah. And Martinello just, I wrote about this in my takeaways from the championship, but so my vantage point for most of the championship game was kind of directly behind her net, a little off to the side. You were um, peering over her. You're like, I'm going to write about you. Yeah, you know? yeah. And there are just some saves I just couldn't believe she tracked the puck through because Nobles, what what a lot of Nobles is doing is working the puck back to the point, getting shots low and getting just bodies in front. Mm-hmm. Everybody tries to do that. Yes. But Nobles has been particularly effective at that and just saving everything, seeing everything, tracking everything really well. And especially whether, I guess, no, Noble's got this, that This second. is how I feel, by the way, watching Milton goalie Sam Caulfield. Just like, yeah. how are you seeing the puck? How do you, yeah. how are you tracking that? But yeah, continue. especially, like, Noble's is, like, very content to play for those second and third chance opportunities, and she's mm-hmm. making those saves. So I was really impressed with her. Yeah, I, I, I think she's an emerging star if she's not already won. But an interesting uh, tournament for the Harrington. I mean, again, you would have picked Williston, I would assume. Like, uh, well, I mean, so last last pod I said Nobles has a pretty nice setup to go deep in their own tournament. That's right at, the, at their bracket. That's right. Um, and that's right. That's right. But I think a lot of people would have had Williston. So I'm glad that uh, somebody, you know, it, it's good to see the get spread around a bit. And I think St. Paul's like. St. Paul's going on this run of beating mainly Williston and then holding their own against uh, Nobles. I think yeah. says a lot for them. Probably going to help them in the rankings uh, when you do that this week. In terms of other tournaments, uh, I'm just looking through the through our page right now. We had, by the way, I was happy. People at tournament, the tournament would uh, come up to me and say, "Oh, thank you for the schedule post. Like I've been tracking it all weekend." I'm like, "Oh, glad to see that yeah. people are reading this. Nice. I, I'm, I, I like that." Millbrook wins the uh, Watkins. I feel mm-hmm. like that's pretty big. Uh, yeah, over Groton too. Yeah, um, and, yeah. 
So good for them. And then we had Loomis Chafee win the Patsy Auden over Andover. That's pretty that's, big. That's the, probably the biggest one out there. I was going to say um, that was a big upset. Yeah, especially Tabor, Tabor losing to... Oh, no, it was... Yeah, Tabor lost to Andover, so that's two two heavy hitters there. You kind yeah. of expect one. 6-3 game, too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was impressed with Kent, even though they, they kind of fell off a little bit against Andover and Tabor. You know, those were two tight games and went to a shootout. But Loomis Chafee outlasting Andover in a one nothing game with all of Andover's firepower. Yeah. That's that's pretty big for them. That's incredible. Um, um, so yep. The yeah. other one that caught my eye was Hill being fair at the Dexter tournament. Oh, yes. Yeah, especially just the, with the start Morgan McGaffey's had. Um, and Thayer has been had a really good start themselves, like as a team. Um, Hill taking them down is also pretty impressive. Yeah. So on the girls' side, there were a lot of upsets and championships, and on the boys' side, it was the exact same thing. Um, we'll transition to boys now. Uh, do you have any other leftover girls' thoughts you want to hit on? I don't think so. I think we covered it all pretty well. And we'll have more this week. Yes, a yes. lot of in writing on the boys' side. There were upsets everywhere. I think all. So the big four tournaments, I consider them the big four. The Avon Christmas Classic, Kevin Much, Floodmar, and Groton Lawrence. The favorite did not win in any of them. Well, actually, Floodmar, Kimball Union was probably the favorite. So I'll give them Floodmar, sure, was the favorite. But the other three, Kent outlasted Avon in double overtime, which mm-hmm. I almost drove down for that game, and I was kicking myself that I didn't because it was it, it was a good game, and I wish I'd seen it. Credit to Kent for outlasting Avon in that. It's funny, we did a lot on Frederick Gunn in the last podcast. Frederick Gunn did not have a great tournament. There were a couple good teams or borderline... I mean, Frederick Gunn was top 10 for us. Lost to Loomis Chafee, tied Trinity Pauling, lost to Kent, and then it beat St. Paul's in the kind of the, the last place game. But they kind of didn't have a great tournament. But again, it's not the end of the world. They yeah. fall out of the top 10, but they're still a good team. But like Berkshire had a very good tournament. Berkshire's actually had a very good start to the year. They're 6-3. Mm-hmm. and three. Uh, They they took care of business. They beat Loomis Chafee, who's also a good team. Um, but credit to Kent for pulling out that win. I mean, Kent is a good team. Kent is deep. Kent has, you know, Gio DeJulian and, and uh, Patrick Walsh had the overtime winner. Um, they have, uh, they have a, a deep team that could make a real Elite Eight run. They do move up in my rankings this week. Um, is that the wind? Yeah, it's a windy day here. I've been either that or <laughs> we're under attack. Your enemies have finally caught up with you. I could. I, it's taken them long enough. That's the wind. I don't know if people could hear yeah. that on the mic. There are the renovations downstairs just getting a little out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Starbucks underneath that's been re- being renovated for like months. I wish it, the Starbucks would come back, but... Yeah, Kent is very good. Kent is a legitimate Elite Eight contender. And I think even if they lost to Avon Old Farms, I would say that because they have, they kind of have it all. They're deep up front, they're deep in back. Again, DeJulian, I think, is a candidate for kind of prep hockey player of the year. I just think he's so good all around, one of those powerful players. He's a Cornell commit, so I'll give him props there. Kevin Much, Brunswick, what a run. I mean, to beat Rivers, and they beat him handily, to then beat St. Andrews College, which was a great game I was not at. I heard it was really good. I was there for the game before when Sebs took down Northwood, but to, to then also outlast Sebs. In a home and, game for Sebs. In a home game for Sebs, who widely talked about how good Sebs' home crowd is, and it is. They yeah. Kids are always there. It's always a good environment. For Brunswick to go in and rattle those three wins off, Big, and this will come out after the rankings come out. Brunswick goes up to number two in my rankings, wow. which is higher than I thought for them. I didn't. I thought they would be somewhere around five or six. They're now at number two because that top line's legit. 
Sean Gibbons, Luke Drury, Brendan Giles, Cooper Cleaves on defense. They, uh, Will Baker's legit in net. I think there were some question marks around what would happen in net with them. He was outstanding in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, Brunswick came out on all all cylinders, went up 3 nothing. Seb scored one and in the end of the first and because it was two halves and then in the second half they added another Teddy Mutrin also had a penalty shot in this game okay. and Baker made the save wow so and they they kind of withstood the final push i think Jake Hamilton did a story for us on it and i, I heard from others at the rank like Sebs it was all Sebs in the second half and they weathered it so to me like Brunswick might of all the four like of the big four championship wins Brunswick might have been the most impressive given the gauntlet of teams they had to go through. Yes. Rivers, St. Andrews College, who has tons of talent. All, all the NHL scouts were watching St. Andrews College. They had the Dean Latorno, mm-hmm. who's six seven, I think. And Is like, he really? he's six seven. He's a potential like second or first round pick this year. Decommitted from Northeastern recently is going to BC. So and then to take down Sebs. And I, it's funny, I felt bad. I moved Sebs down to number six, which feels low because to me they have a top three offense yeah and they and they were our cover and and they're so good the thing is though the reason they moved to six is because any team from one through seven so like from kimball union who i have number one down to kent has a case for top three so like it's you can't have every i can't have one a one b two a two i can't do that so sebs moves down to six i'll also say sebs has two losses and the teams above them uh, have like Brunswick has two losses or two ties and a loss, but they're the good teams. Sebs lost to Exeter and and now lost to to Brunswick. And Sebs, I don't think has like a true quality win yet. I know people debate me on this, but you know Rivers obviously is a good win, but they do, the teams above them have more. So Sebs moved to six. So credit to Brunswick though; they have a really good team. Mike Kennedy, credit to him. Really tough schedule to begin the year, and they lost to Loomis in the first game. You know, they started out kind of, you know, iffy, but I mean, I think that schedule has really helped them. And I, I would not be shocked if Brunswick continues to just go on this run because a win at these tournaments can change a whole season. Not that they needed a change in the season, but they looked real good in the bits I saw them this weekend. So credit to Brunswick. So, and also a big shout out Holderness. Wins the Groton Lawrence yeah. tournament. Holderness takes takes them down again. I was so disappointed to miss this Holderness Cushing game. I think it was on Friday. Yeah, um, two to one. Yeah, one of the a person who watches a lot of hockey said to me it was the best prep hockey game I've seen this year, and I was like, damn it. Wow. Like I, my job is mainly watching prep hockey, and I didn't get to see that. That's unfortunate. But Hold, Holderness outshot them. And Holderness smothered them for most of the game. And credit to Marco Billick, who's a Arizona State commit goalie for Cushing, really good goalie, NHL draft prospect. He had an awesome game. And to me, like the upside to a game like that, obviously Cushing's offense was completely stymied. But Billick is on such a good team that he doesn't get a ton of shots. Like you're yeah. getting perimeter shots. You beat a team five nothing. You get like 18 shots or whatever. But to show that hey, against a good team like Holderness, he could kind of stand up to it is a an encouraging sign but holderness holderness is is legitimate i kind of had them in the brunswick tier of like they're gonna be lower top 10 they'll compete but to me like they you know 
uh, Pavit Mera, a postgrad from Hopkinton. I remember watching him tear it up at the Garden last year for the States, and he's been ta- he's twenty points in eight games so far. So that's not bad. That's like that's like video game numbers. Aaron Van Wee has been an awesome addition. Senior 06, Jake Belanger, uh, Jacob Duvall, Caden Wells, and then Caden Harrington on the back end. We had a story about him uh, go last week. I, from what I gather from different talking to scouts, talking to people watching. He's moved into potentially being the top NHL draft prospect in prep, which is huge. I mean, he he has the size. He has the ability as a defenseman. Um, I know, you know, he, he's just – he does a lot of things right. He, he has 16 points in eight games. So he's averaging two points per game right now. Yeah, must um, be doing something right. Yeah, to be a defenseman and to be doing that. He just kind of does everything for them on the back end. And I know a lot of NHL scouts are like, I want to see people play juniors and – and I think that's something that a lot of kids run into when they're in prep as an NHL draft prospect. But a lot of guys say you got to average at least a point and a half, two points a game in prep to be drafted. And he's doing that right now. So, again, he's a guy that continues to progress a Vermont commit. And Vermont, I don't think there's any worry of losing him because he grew up in Vermont, wants, has always wanted to be a catamount. Yeah. So Vermont, it's a freaking good slam recruit. Dunk. That's a slam dunk yeah. recruit. So he's continued to impress. Holderness continues to impress. I believe they're number five this week. And the only reason I didn't have them higher is because I gave the edge to Brunswick because they beat more good teams. But you know, at the top, it's tight at the top. You gotta be, you gotta kind of be a bit cutthroat with that, which being number five, I don't know, Pat, I don't think that's cutthroat. No, it's top five is, is good anywhere. Yeah. And I, like even Seb's at six, they'll probably be mad. They'll probably, hopefully they put it on like the wall. They're like, Oh, they think we're going to be number six. Like, it's just it's tight. It it it's so razor thin. And that but um so, sorry to cut you off, but no. you know, just the takeaway I've had from not only the girls' side this weekend, but the boys' side is just the parody of this season. Yes. Oh, I was just about to say um, this. Yes. Even even outside of this the tournaments, especially on the girls' side, like New Hampton, I don't think they weren't on my radar, and maybe that's just me being ignorant, but New Hampton's really come out of like I don't want to say the woodwork, but they've had a really good start to their year. Yeah, and I don't think they fared too well in their tournament this weekend. But you're talking you about know, the girls, right? Yes. But you look at whether it was the Harrington tournament and just the the parody there, St. Paul's beating Wilson, and now on the boys' side, all, all these like man, the, the parody on both sides is crazy. Year. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's been the fun part because last year it was very much Cushing and Avon at the top, and then everybody else. Mm-hmm. This year it's been on the boys' side different. I mean, I've had three number ones. I even wrote this week, like, Kimball Union's my number one team. We'll get to them in a second. But it's they're number one for now. Like, yeah. it's changing so much. And you have, you have Sebs at six, and it's like, we're not, like, in, in no world are we saying, like, Sebs won't, can't, like, win it all at the end of the year. <laughs> exactly. Because they absolutely could. Any team in that top ten right now, you could probably make a case for. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's the thing. And I think, and I think Sebs has to, defensively and in net, I think they need to prove it a little bit. Can they hang with Cushing, Avon? With with how they are defensively, and I think they're fine, but it's like their offense is arguably the top offense in the nation in the yeah, in at the least region. On paper. Yes, it, it is. But again, I think that anybody in that top, I think anybody in the top seven could easily be like one, two, or three. So yeah, I mean, interesting stuff there with the parody, which is not, and also like on the boys' side, like Loomis Chafee, really good start to the year. Phillips Andover, seven, two, and one. I wanted to rank them, but they didn't have the greatest floodmar, so I didn't. 
Berkshire, 6-3 and three to start the year. Like, these teams that I didn't expect Exeter has beat Sebs. They beat someone else that's really good on the schedule in front of me. There's parity, which is nice. And and some would say, well, that's because the talent isn't as good. I don't think that's the case. I think that there are more, there are more better players on just different teams. Yes. Um, the Eberhardt is better. The Keller is better. I mean, every... Yeah, the, the talent pool is just deeper. The only division... Or region, the Lakes region is a little thin. It's Kimball Union, Holderness, and then everybody else. Yeah. So that's why like Holderness stats are is the way they are. But th- to me, the reason I move Holderness up is because they beat Cushing, right? That's their first big test of the year, and they passed it. So like I'm very curious, how does Holderness fare against KUA when they play? I think twice um, in February. So that's that. Now I'll get to the Floodmar, which is where I was at for most of the tournament or most of the weekend, so I can hit on this a bit more. KUA, it's not a surprise. I mean, it wasn't a surprise that Salisbury and KUA were in the final. KUA is deep. Salisbury is Salisbury. What I will say is I was not – Salisbury did not look as good to me as I would have expected, which is why they moved down to number eight. Salisbury is notorious for starting slow. Andrew Will is an outstanding coach. You can make an argument that he's the best coach in prep. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of candidates for it, but he consistently ranks near the top, if not at the top. But Salisbury, to me, like Salisbury was down 5 nothing to Deerfield after the first period. I've never seen that in a hockey game before. <laughs> I've ne- I've never seen that. Now they came back, they almost won it. Uh they it was 6-4, so uh they all they they did almost come back. And they were down 3 nothing to Nobles, but they did come back in the third period with 3 and then they won it in overtime. So like I got to give credit there, but there's just they start slow, they started slow against KUA, they were down 2 nothing. I there's there's one there's a player up front for Salisbury who caught everybody's attention this weekend. And that's Connor Davis, junior forward out of Quebec City in late 06. So he has everybody excited. Plays the game incredibly hard. Doesn't have the highest skill set, but just such a high compete. Fast, great straight ahead speed. Always wants it and just created opportunities for himself and and had a really productive weekend. So to me, he was the guy up front that I continued to be like, I can't not notice him. He's just so noticeable. So yeah. He was one. Another is Anthony Biakabatuka. Now, I did a whole feature on him last year because he came down from Canada, and he has a very extensive football family. He was dynamite. I am shocked. Shocked, Pat, that he is not yet picked up by a college. I would. I am shocked because he is that good on the back end. He's great in his own zone. He scored. He had a two goal game this weekend. I think he had he had some big goals. He had a big one. I think against Nobles. I don't have the stats in front of me, but just. Really good two-way defender. I know colleges have been looking at him. Mm-hmm. I would be shocked if he doesn't have something in the next month or two. And if it do- if he doesn't, I would assume it's up to him. But I, I just, to me, I think he's too good. I think he's such a good value find. He values education. I would be shocked if he doesn't have something. And then another good development for Salisbury, Stephen Luciano mm-hmm. stepped in. Cooper Fleming did not have the best weekend in net. Stephen Luciano Jr. out of Connecticut came in, played really well. So he for Salisbury again, they're they fall to eight. I they they need to clean some things up, but those yeah. are three encouraging areas that I think if those things work and the guys work around them, they could work their way back up into that top five. Because I didn't think they'd fall out of the top five. Mm-hmm. So that was my big ta- that was like my big takeaway from the floodmar was that I just wasn't uberly impressed with Salisbury and their and their details and things like that. Um, one team I liked, I know you like this player a lot, Tom Molson yeah. from Deerfield yep. had a big weekend and, uh, made like the all tournament team 
Another kid, I'm sh- I know he's he, the big thing against him is he's small, yeah. right? He's smaller. People want to see him go up against junior competition. Can he withstand the physicality, all that stuff? I just think his vision and his playmaking and just his overall offensive game mm-hmm. is so strong. I'm surprised nobody's taken a chance on him yet. Yeah, I think he's pretty pretty shifty and just honestly slippery. I think is yes. good, is good. Yes, because like, you know. Again, like you mentioned the size, there are some times you you think he's just going to get killed. Yeah. Um, and he makes a play. Um, so I was impressed with him when I saw him in the fall. Yeah, he's a guy that, again, and Deerfield moves into 10. I have Deerfield at number 10 this week. Okay. And maybe, I, again, that's going to be debatable. And a lot, I, I have St. George's at 9. St. George, I, and like St. George's at 9, I'll explain it here. Um, obviously, they didn't play anybody that great. They crushed everybody this weekend. But everybody kind of beat up everybody, so everyone's stock took a little bit of a hit yeah. that was in that – like Dexter had a really tough weekend. Dexter lost to some teams. I was very shocked that they lost because um, I thought they were like hovering potentially into my top ten. Now that now they're not. Westminster was another, but these teams all beat the heck out of each other. St. George's was in my top ten to begin the year. I couldn't decide on a team for number nine, and I said, you know what? St. George's is a good enough roster. They've been taking care of business. I'll throw them in there because they're, they're good. But Deerfield, Molson, Justin Tavares, they have a good team. Hotchkiss, I think, came in winless with like total of three goals on the season. They were in the they were in the third place game. Now zero zero tie with Nobles, nobody, and nobody took third place. Yeah, but I mean, again, they had a pretty good weekend. Like that's a team that I thought was going to get kind of steamrolled, and they didn't. Couple leftover thoughts. Like Milton was a little inconsistent. They're young. Like Sam Caulfield and Ned is is awesome. It's just a young team. Like Will Canada kind of leads the the charge up front. Joe Feinberg was out of BC High. I thought he was really good this weekend. And then Nobles is very good up front. They were fine. They they kind of blew that lead against Salisbury, which is tough because it was in their own building too. Mm -hmm. Like they had the crowd on their side and everything. But they beat Phillips Andover. They tied Deerfield. They tied Hotchkiss. Like. They fall out of my top 10. I would say they're number 11. Like, they're a good team. They just didn't – they didn't finish. And I think yeah. that that was kind of the thing I held against them. So, yeah, it was a lot of hockey. Do you have any thoughts from the boys' side? Like, was there anything that stood out to you in the – I know you mentioned the parody. Yeah. No, I don't I don't think there's anything that wouldn't be really be echoing what you've talked about. I think with Salisbury, you talk about the slow start and you talk about, like, Cooper Fleming leaving a little bit to be desired this weekend. But you know what? Say, like – Say Steven Luciano keeps it up in the second half yep. and Cooper Fleming also keeps it up, then... Goalie tandem. Yeah, exactly. 100%. It's- and that's the thing about Salisbury is that, like, they have the coaching, they have the roster, they can move back in. And they will. Yeah. Like, they're always there. And I do think that them not being in the Elite Eight last year was a motivator. So, yeah. like, I... Especially, I- like, Cooper Fleming's one of those goalies that everyone had high, really high hopes for yep. going into the year. Mm-hmm. So, you know he's he's better than what you've seen Exactly. So and I think that's the thing. And I think they will figure it out. They always do. So, I would assume that down the stretch, in the second half of the year, they, they pull through. We'll leave it at this before we go to overtime. A quick thing. Have any... We didn't really make set predictions, I don't think. Unless we did, and I'm forgetting them, but I don't think we did. I don't think so. And I don't want to make predictions for the rest of the year, because it is always changing. But has your outlook on the girls' hockey landscape changed at all, teams-wise? I don't I don't think so. I think the top four is kind of still the same. Nobles is probably is going to go to one this week for me. Mm-hmm. And Wilson, honestly, I don't want to like take joy in, in them losing, 
but you know, it makes the rankings a little more fun now. Exactly. I like then, this. I'm, I agree with you. Because then this. you're not just, ah, oh, Wilson won again this week and then Andover tied. Do they drop to three or do they say it? Exactly. Two? No, I, it's, I think it makes the, the rankings a little more exciting. But yeah, like, I think the top four is still very much kind of cut and dry. Now, the, the onus falls on St. Paul's, who's going to jump back into the top five. Can they crack that top four? Because yep. right now it's Nobles, Andover, or Nobles, Williston, Andover, Tabor. And those are pretty damn good teams. Yeah. So St. Paul's a lot. Their their best win so far this season is over Williston, and so schedule is going to toughen up down the, down the stretch. Yep. Prove it. That's that's kind of where they're at. And then the outside of the top five, Kent will probably be six. But I think you you look at seven through the next like seven to twelve, it could really go anywhere. Because I had BBNN. I think they were eight last week, and you know they had a they had a really tough weekend. Um, and then Loomis Chafee had. Kind of a tough start to the season, but they've ripped off, I think, four wins in a row, um, and, and the Andover one is huge. And so yeah. now they're they're right now they're knocking on the door again. So I think it's kind of interesting just the way that that second tier of teams can really shake out in the second half. It goes to parity. I agree with you. I want to mention one other turnaround on the boys' side. Canterbury won the, what's it called, the Barber Memorial that's at St. Mark's Middlesex. I thought St. Mark's would run away with this. Middlesex beat St. Mark's. In the like, kind of in the one of the middle games, mm-hmm. they beat him three one. St. Mark's, by the way, uh, has fallen out of my top ten, but they're not forgotten. They're still a good team. I think they're seven two and one, or they're seven and two. Still good. They just they. I want to see them beat. I want to see them against St. George's and Rivers. I want to see them before I kind of move them back into the top ten. But shout out to Canterbury. Canterbury again. That's a pretty good statement win. I mean, it's not. That's a good. That's a good win for them. They're 5-2-1 and one to start. Sam Siapa, no surprise there. Jake Stevens. But Ryan Stratton, an 0-5 senior, has 15 points in eight games. So, again, not bad. Yep. So good for them to get – I mean, that's a, a really good thing. I mean, again, it goes back to a lot of teams that we kind of didn't consider are now playing pretty well. And, and like teams like Westminster and Milton that were mm-hmm. in the Elite Eight last year – are kind of hovering around 500 and but they're going to start to get better so again yes. it goes back to there's more parity and for the boys side my only thing that's changed is going into this weekend i thought the top three were set some form of cushing avon saint sebs now i'm realizing that brunswick is really good holderness is really good kimball union is now number one so it's open and kent so like to me those seven teams are my favorites right now to mm-hmm. be in that grouping, but I think Salisbury could easily move back in, and then it comes down to nine and ten. Who is who is competing for those two spots? So again, if you had to make me take a guess, my guess would be the Elite Eight right now would be any form of Cushing, Avon, Kimball Union, Saint Sebs, Holderness, Brunswick, probably Salisbury, and did I mention Kent? Kent would be the other. Yes, if I didn't mention Kent. Well, I forgot someone, but those top seven teams, I we're not great with numbers, yes. That's our. That's. I'm not great with math. We went to school for journalism. I was told there would right. be no math. Told no math. Be no math. Hey, but you know what there would be? You know what I was told there would be? Overtime. So take it away, yes. Overtime. Yes, once again, time for overtime, where I throw three questions the way of our panelists today. They're completely unprepared for these questions. It's my goal to make them look goofy and stupid <laughs> it's uh, i wake up in the morning with that goal no just kidding here doesn't we go take much for me to look I, goofy I achieved that by opening my eyes <laughs> I, was say, I was i, I was ahead of you by on that. waking up <laughs> evan we'll let you go first on this one pretty simple all else being equal are you a pro analytics guy when it comes to hockey or not so much very pro 
Very pro. I think it, to me, the resistance to analytics doesn't make a lot of sense. I agree. You've got to be able, you've got to see the players. You've got to see that, yep. you know, it's got to match. You got to watch the player and you got to look at the analytics. But to me, I'm very, very, very pro analytic. Is there a particular stat that is either underrated or most helpful to you or? We always joke about it, but it's Corsi. Yeah. Corsi is very helpful, yeah. and that's basically chances for versus chances against when you're on the ice. Mm. So I, yeah. I like that a lot because it kind of tells a picture of where you're playing in the zone in on the ice and what's happening when you're on the ice. Pat, your thoughts? I'd agree with Evan. I'm, I'm very pro. I, I I subscribe to what needs to be a blend. It, like he said, it has to match up to what you're seeing on the ice. Because there were times in the playoffs last year where I remember like, oh man, Hampus Lindholm was awful. And then you look at the numbers, his course, he's off the charts. You're like, ah, I don't know. It was probably just a Brandon Carlo game. Yeah. Especially with Lindholm playing hurt. My favorite advance that, hmm. probably high danger save percentage for goalies. Mm-hmm. I think that is is a huge indicator for if a goalie is just kind of like making saves on softballs. Like like Ali Martinell mm-hmm. this weekend, her high danger save percentage is probably off the charts. Through the roof. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I like that one for goalies. I like that stat. It's a good stat. Not all saves are created equal. Yeah. Right. <laughs> all right. right. Exactly. Question number two. Also a pretty simple question. question is, what is the best rival- rivalry in hockey? Pat, we're going to let you start. Now, you can pick pro, you can pick college, or you could pick sort of one that's personal to you. Wow. Um, you know, Bruins Canadians just doesn't have that juice anymore. Bruins Leafs haven't met in the playoffs in a couple of years. I'm probably going to go college here. Okay. I'm biased, but I'm going to say BUBC. Yeah, that's a good one. And especially since both teams are good this year, like and it's it's a it's a shame we didn't get like cuz usually it feels like there's one game before the holiday break every year and they didn't get that this year, but the first game coming back from the break, I believe is BUBC. Yes, it is. And so that's going to be nuts. Are you a big beanpot guy, Pat? I'm a huge beanpot guy. He went to um, BU, so he has to. I, I went to BU. I, I would go to it like with my friends and my dad all the time in middle school and high school. Yeah, huge beanpot guy. All right. I'm the complete opposite. Okay. I, I didn't grow up going to the beanpot. I right. didn't go to a beanpot school. It's never meant that much to me, but I appreciate that it means something to you. And yeah. it's good. I mean, I do. Like so BCBU, I, I do enjoy it. I will. I will say, like, when I worked at NCAA last year, a lot of people were like, because they would see like, me getting so excited for the bean pot and, like, slack and stuff. They're and like, they, what is even hockey? And they <laughs> and I'd be like, and somewhere, someone at the NCAA, like, at the NCAA that I worked with, they were like, we're, we're going to try and get out and like, get a social team to the bean pot next year. Like, is it worth it? Like, thousand percent, yes. Like, I, I think the bean pot final, I will put that up against any game. I think it's, like, the fastest paced hockey game you'll ever see. And um, I will, just the emotion, the adrenaline, yes. the student section, especially if you get. A good student section like BU and Northeastern probably have the best student crowds. Um, Northeastern yep. usually takes up like two thirds of the upper deck at the Garden. Yes, um, Northeastern student section is freaking nuts, and they, they might they arguably the best band in the city too. So like that's always an electric atmosphere if Northeastern's playing. Yeah, I will also say at NCAA the best part of that with the Bean Pot was how well every bean pot piece of content did and they were like whoa bean pot's like a bit and it has like national yeah. appeal yep. which i didn't realize until i went to nca that that was the case um my favorite rivalry Go. yeah i will say maple leafs versus the stanley cup just <laughs> not being able to do it not being able to get even remotely close to it in many years that would be my number one favorite rivalry because i agree bruins canadians was big when we were little but it yeah. Last couple of years, Canadians have stunk. Well, it's I think it's more of the schedule too. They don't play any, they don't play each other enough. They don't. My second rivalry, and this yeah. means something to me: public high schools versus private high schools. Mm. Still one of my favorites. Okay. Whenever Hingham beat St. John's Prep this past this past weekend in boys, and on Twitter, 
the Hingham student section has like a Twitter account and they yeah. were tweeting like, ah, they pay for school, losers. <laughs> and all these people was varying in their bio and like St. John's Prep were like, oh, getting mad. At There's nothing. When I was playing in the MIA, there was nothing better. We beat Zarian twice my senior year. It's Framingham High School. It was the first time in like 20 years we did it. We beat him twice. It was unreal. There's nothing better than public mm. versus private and a seeing a public win because it is – again, you're overcoming the odds. You're the underdog. Yep. Hingham is always an underdog against a private school. And so seeing a public school beat a private school, always one of my favorite rivalries. 100%. See, I played basketball and baseball at Milton Academy, and with those sports, you just kind of assume you're going to lose if you play with against a public school. <laughs> That's the way it is. And get made fun of at the same time. That's true. All right, we'll move to our final question, and the question is this. The worst call you've ever seen. This could be like a famous error made by a ref in a pro game, college game, or maybe just a game that you were attending or even involved in. I forget whose turn it is to go first. Pat, you go. Okay. I have two. Okay. I feel like we're going to have a similar one. The clear-cut number one, given the stakes <sighs> and... You're going to take it. I can feel and it. And just how everything unfolded is the Nola Charlie. Ah, I knew it. <laughs> like, clear... Kelly Sutherland is in the corner looking at Wait, it. which, for our for, listeners... Uh, who Bruins Blues Game 5 in 2019. Okay. Nola Charlie gets slew-footed by David Perron. Yep. Who... Turns up, turns around, hands in the air, like, trying to say, I didn't do that. Like, I'm going to get a call. I didn't do that. I think he Kelly, even, like, moved his head back. Like, yeah, he's like, oh, like, he took a penalty. Like, yeah, Kelly Sutherland's in the corner, staring at it. And you have a referee in the neutral zone also staring at it. No call. Blues pass to Tyler Bozak. He scores. Bruins, mm. Bruins lose two games later in Game 7. That's heartbreaking. The, yeah. yeah. The other one is more just annoying, and it's, like, kind of pertinent just because the, the the crybaby role that the Chiefs have been on. But the Nikhil Harry out of bounds in Patriots <laughs> Chief a few years ago. Wow, that's um, pretty specific. They, okay, yeah. they, they, like, because it was, I think it was 2019, so Tom Brady was still here. It's, it's going to be a touchdown pass to Nikhil Harry. They said he stepped out of bounds as he dove for the pylon. But every single replay angle, you can see, like, an inch of green grass there. And it's it still bugs me, and, and I always, I only remember it now just because of just the Chiefs cr- crying about officials this week. Yes, yeah, that was about he cried for about ten minutes after the game, which was ten minutes too long. <laughs> Evan, you want to add anything to this bad calls? Yeah, yep. Achari, that one's number one for me. Like that's as bad as it gets, yep. and that changed the whole series. Now, in fairness, the Bruins shouldn't have stopped playing. Like the yep. Bruins kind of were like all moping, and then the Blues immediately scored. I will give this was a, I don't know if you guys remember this. And the stakes were not high, but it was a 19-inning Braves-Pirates game, like, probably in, like, the early 2010s. Ooh, I have another baseball one to add. After. Yeah, it's, like, 2011. Do you remember this, Yaz? No, it was no, a 19-inning yeah. game. Yep. It was the 19th inning, and I think it the pits, there was a play at the plate. All the Braves needed was a run, but there's a play at the plate, and the catcher for the Pirates clearly tagged the Braves runner out, mm-hmm. like, well before the plate. And the, and the Braves player goes and steps on home plate and he's just called safe. Mm. And, and the ump thought that the, the tag missed the player. Right. And I, it's close, but it looks like it did. But to not call that out in a 19 inning game, like I know you just want to go home, but that always stuck out to me. Was like, there a challenge? Well, no, this was free challenge. Free challenge. Oh. So you Ugh. could just, the manager went bananas. So that was pretty bad. So the baseball Tough one I want to add. Go ahead, Pat. Is Detroit Tigers. Uh, oh. Armando Galarraga almost yeah. had the perfect game. Yeah. And it was 
like unfathomably bad call. Yep. That the umpire, the first base ump called the I don't remember who. who it was the Jim was. Joyce, the uh, umpire. The, the I umpire. Remember. I don't remember the player, but like said, it was he beat it out, and like the, the throw was clearly there first. Yeah. And this was pre-replay, Given the stakes, pre-challenge. It was a, it was a perfect game, it was, right? Just it was a, a not game. not just like oh no hitters happen all the time. Like they've kind of lost their luster a little, a little yeah. bit, a little yeah. bit. They're still impressive, right? But perfect game. Holy crap! Yeah, like, I know. To, and to get they, that wrong. The thing I, that that irked me about that. Well, first of all, now that's an occasion where you'd say it it will probably never happen again because of a, a good part of the challenge rule. Because we don't have the replay. We don't have. Yep. Re, we didn't have replay yep. then. There was nothing you could do. Yep. But the Jim Joyce immediately after the game said he blew the call. Like, why not just? Reverse the ruling yeah. after the game. You, would, like, would anyone have been upset if they did that? No. Exactly, because they yeah. still won three to nothing. It didn't yeah. impact anything. Yeah, right. I mean, and it's like, well, you don't want to set a precedent. Or, well, or just, well, you know what? Anytime someone's throwing a, a perfect game, maybe. Or, How about or, that? Or just, like, I think you're probably still allowed to huddle up all four umpires and be like, hey, yeah. "What did you Ex- see?" And oh man, you got that wrong. Like, yeah. Exactly. Especially like so blatantly wrong. Not like it was close, and you would have replay now. You'd zoom in frame by frame, but no, that was so clear as. Pl- like you could see yep. that with the naked eye, it was so wrong. It That's, wasn't even a really close call. I remember it was not. It I remember was, it was like the lead story on Good Morning America. I was yeah. like having my breakfast before going to fifth grade or whatever I was in. <laughs> well, it was it was like that. You could see the look on what's his name, Galarraga. Galarraga. Yeah, the look on his face was like, "Am I in the twilight zone?" Like, yeah. And and everyone in the stadium with twenty thousand people know that <laughs> yeah. called that he was out. And and now um, Galarraga has to go like the rest of his life with the what if and like not having closure on that. It almost yeah. made him more famous though. Because yeah. his career after that I don't even know it. I don't think he did anything I after. No so it almost made it more famous. But yeah, I mean horrible. You mentioned the refs huddling. I'll tell you a quick story about my dad was a high school baseball ump and there was a game where he was he was working the infield and there were runners on first and second and both runners take off Double steal, right? So my dad instinctively thinks, if you're the catcher, where are you probably going to throw the ball? Where th- second or third? Yeah. No. I'm t- <laughs> oh, probably second, just instinctively. Oh. All right, you're, you're both wrong. Okay. It, it was prob- third, right? <laughs> third. But yeah. Usually they'll throw the third to get the lead runner. It's a shorter throw. So my dad sprints over to third, and he's got his back turned to second base and waiting to make the call, and the throw never comes because the throw went second. And so... <laughs> I think probably both coaches are screaming, screaming, screaming. So my dad is like, oh, crap. He, so he runs to the home. Only two umpires working high school baseball, right? He runs to the home plate umpire and says, I didn't see it, Phil. He's like, are you asking for my help, Saul? He goes, I'm asking for your help. So the home plate umpire says, you're out, right? <laughs> and, and, of course, they complain and everything. But And my dad says to the guy, oh, I'm so sorry. I blew that. And he goes, Saul, it's okay. Just always remember, and pardon me, listeners, this is what he said. Tits to the ball. Always tits to the ball. <laughs> so, exactly. lesson for umpires. I like that. I'll give one other. It doesn't get talked about enough. That Eli Manning helmet catch, or the, the David Tyree one. Yeah. yeah. There were tons of holding calls on yep. that O-line yep. that never got called on that play. I mean, yep. again, I'll give it credit for NFL history. It was a hell of a play. I didn't like the outcome. But there were probably a lot of holes there that could have been it's called. It's frustrating because he almost got sacked. That's the thing. He 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 slithered away. And I remember them asking Richard Seymour after the game, you were getting hold on that play, right? And he goes, not just me, but Jarvis too. <laughs> Jarvis, Jarvis Brown next to him. And so it's true. But that's, yeah, that's a tough one. That's one of those plays that it's like, ah, that's so cool that like you almost have to tip your cap. 
Almost it was like, the last uh, catch you made, Travis I think. Kelsey play. Was it the last catch you ever made? I think that was the last catch David Tyree ever made. I think he was wow. out of football. That's Talk weird. about George yeah. Costanza going on on a high note. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm done with this. Might as well, we might as well go on a high note, too. Let's do that. Congratulations, guys. Great job in overtime, as usual. And back to you, Evan, to wrap I would say Pat had the edge in the calls. Uh, his calls were better than mine. Right. His blown calls were better. So I, I, I also credit. got to Achari first. It was True, a but the, you, the Colorado perfect game. I didn't yeah. think of that. That was a good one. But anyways, uh, we'll have a lot more coverage this week from tournaments. Uh, we have a little break now, so more MIAA will be coming up, which will be nice. There's some prep tournaments throughout. But uh, yeah, that's RankWise. That's Patrick Donnelly. I'm Evan Marinovsky. RankWise listeners, have a great rest of your week and a happy holidays.